We are being hypnotized by people like this. News readers, politicians, teachers, lecturers. We are in a country and in a world that is being run by unbelievably sick people. The chasm between what we're told is going on and what is really going on is absolutely... Oh yeah, dude. There's some Nephilim shit. It's like we all know what's going down, but no one's saying to what happened to the home of the brave. Motherfuckers, they control this now, and no one's talking about how they made us out of these slaves. And everybody's just walking around, heading to clouds, and won't awaken to a dead in the grave. But then it's too late, we need to be ready to raise up. Welcome to the end of day. Everybody is slaves, only some are aware that the government releasing poison. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Nephilim Death Squad, the show where we hunt down and expose Nephilim shit. I am David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven. That is Top Lobster. And we are joined here today by none other than Thomas, the Paranoid American. How are you, brother? Good. Actually, I heard we were killing Nephilim. I didn't think we were just tracking them down and exposing them. Whoa, this whoa, the, this whoa. is the death easy, squad, right? Easy with Jeez, the Fed posting man. over here, dude. Like, everybody knows Nephilim <laughs> is short for a little, you know, little schnozzers. Huh? Yo, dude, <laughs> we're off to a bad start. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're immediately getting bad. Is this, is this good to, to mention the new HelloFresh sponsorship? <laughs> no, not a good time. We got to wait a little okay. bit before we get back into that one. But look, dude, we we the first part of of hunting them is is following the trail and exposing them. And then once it becomes socially acceptable to to say things like you know kill Nephilim, uh, but until then, I think there's probably going to be some sort of YouTube sponsor or a censor rather that's going to pull us off. But dude, anyway, what if, what if this? Oh, sorry, did, did I just come out of the gate hot? <laughs> no, no, unbelievable, I, dude. You got me thinking now. What if? What? Because like. Everyone's trying to accept the next person. There's like laws and shit. Like, what if when the Nephilim reveal themselves and there's like this tribulation of however many years and they're just like they're giants walking? Class. Yeah, but like California's like, listen, we gotta respect the giants. We can't keep calling for their genocide. And they have like a fucking giant fly. Yo, dude, it'll, it's probably gonna get that ridiculously stupid in our lifetime. We, we can't, uh, we can't move stupid. them from the front of CVS. We have to let them take as much as they want. As long as it's less than a thousand dollars, the Nephilim can take whatever they want. As long as it's one child per household, the Nephilim can take whatever they want. Jesus it's, Christ. It's funny though because like. That's kind of how it really would be, right? So, because the the nephilim get to make the decision, and and we live in this weird culture where the oldest like information rules sometimes, even if it's not necessarily right. But it's always like, oh, this dude said that first, or this religion had that first, and the implication by just saying that is that the older you go, the more correct or the more accurate it is, right? So really, you could be like, oh, if if you're Nephilim giants, I guess you were here first. You're like the OG OG native whatever akins that you're on, right? Like they would be the OG Native Americans, the OG whoever was in the the sacred land, right? They could be like, technically we were here first. You know what I mean? It's it's so again, I don't want to go too like political, but it is like the Jewish people. Like they've they've got all this power. And and in after this, like when the Nephilim when the Nephilim are here, they will still get the pity. Like they'd be like, oh, like the Indians, they were here before us. And they're like giants. They're eating our children. And we're still going to be like, fingers. yeah, six fingers are going to be like, oh, yeah. But, you know, they had a really tough, <laughs> really tough time I like in the interdimensional I world. Like, 
the Nephilim calling everybody else, everybody else becomes colonizers. Whereas like now, right now it's like white people are colonizers. Everybody else gets to become white people to the Nephilim. Everybody else is colonizers. They're the original people. Well, the- and then they get to call the shots. And yeah, anything that we say against them is, I guess, racism, right? I'm pretty sure that's racism. That's some kind of, we're talking bloodlines, right? Can't, you, can't, you can't say the N word. The conditions can't of one's Nephilim. birth. <laughs> the new N word, dude. And just, I mean, just to throw it out there too, the Nephilim were the first to invent anchor babies because technically that was their loophole of being able to sort of enjoy or have lineage that enjoys the fruits of the earth because they were jealous, right? They were jealous of mankind. So they're like, I'm going to make sure my kids have a better life than I do. I'm going to go bang one of these pogs down on the ground. And then that turns into like, like this loophole. So now you've got this Nephilim portal baby showed out Joel Thomas, but the Nephilim portal <laughs> baby Joel. is an interdimensional anchor baby. Yeah. That, I mean, the Nephilim, the Nephilim are just like the, again, I don't want to, how racist can I go? This is my show. Fuck it. They're the worst races. I mean, we went from, they're like basically probably Jewish. And then we just compared them to black people. And now we're saying Mexicans. I'm like, yo dude, we got to build some kind of interdimensional wall. We got to build it real tall. <laughs> We got to build walls to block these portals, man. Oh, my God. You know, uh, we're, we're coming off of something that's really interesting. And I think we have a chance of getting this guy on, although he um, he is potentially facing some legal issues. But there's a gentleman named Kyle. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you saw this yet, where the guy does a, a undercover infiltration of the Freemasons and he gets just an initiation level uh, ceremony recorded and it's it's very disturbing, right? Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've seen I, it, yeah. Right, and so I've reached out to the guy and he said that he'd, he'd love to come on. He's going to let me know later on in the week. Right now, he's, he may be in some legal issues. We don't know what's going on. Uh, and so I said, keep the details to yourself. But uh, Is it um, illegal? It's illegal to record like a super secret occult ceremony? I don't know. I guess I don't. I, I mean, it would be like a civil matter. It wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily be like a criminal matter if there was any sort of. But who knows? I mean, sometimes when you're in one of those lodge rooms, right? You might have like the treasure of the the you know the government or whatever in there. You might have like the yeah, comptroller. So if you got a comptroller and you got some like you know they can play some games where it's like well technically it was in a private setting and you recorded a high ranking government official. So now it's not this thing. Now it's this thing and right. you know, pu- pucker up. What's super gay about these meetings is that I like I would figure that they'd have them in a fucking castle or something, but they're having them at like the Knights of Columbus. Like you got to be yeah. kidding me, guys! Step up your. Imagine getting whipped by a bunch of dudes with no shirt on in the Knights of Columbus. That is, that is <laughs> I would get. I might consider getting whipped by a bunch of dudes with no shirt on in a castle. I'd be like, this feels a lot more high level. But just yeah. going into like an Elks Lodge and getting whipped by a bunch of old dudes. If you got if you got white sheetrock on the wall behind you, you're You're not going to be able to do an occult ceremony. I feel like that should be a rule. You've got to at least paint it, paint it like a red or something like that. (laughs) These people are just, they're wild. It's got to be in the forest. (laughs) The the spirit of the Nephilim aren't going to uh, leverage, you know, the fabric of society in your favor. If you're in, in an Elks Lodge, it's not happening, dude. But I I guess that doesn't stop them because they got this dude. It's an initiation level ceremony. Homeboy's got his shirt on. And I do believe he's getting lightly flogged. I could be mistaken. I've only caught glimpses of it, or glimpses rather of it. And um, and whenever I see things like this, I can't help but think of guys like you or like Juan Ayala, who have shout um, out to Juan. a lot of fun. Shout out to Juan, uh, who have a lot of really fun information when it comes to all this sort of uh, occult 
rituals and these and these various secret societies. And I'm going to see if I can pull it up here, but there is a really awesome video, uh, and and I believe you're all uh, both of you guys are familiar with this video, um, but the audience might not be. And it's of a gentleman, uh, a black. Uh, uh, I think he's a a priest or a uh, what would you call? What's another word for a, for a priest? A reverend um, or something? A reverend, yeah. And he is uh, making accusations about the Bush family and their uh, links to secret societies, i.e. The, said uh, that both George Bones, W. Bush crossbones, rather, sorry, guys, skull and crossbones of Yale or skull and bones of Yale. And um, and he goes into quite a bit of detail as to his speculation um, on what happens, how you become initiated. And I want to play this for you, Tom. And then I want you to. Yeah, I already, I already know if, about this. Yeah. This guy is the best, by the way. I love this dude. I went, <laughs> there's there's a, there's a lot of videos about him. I've seen a few. Isn't this Obama's and I like preacher? Everything. <laughs> is this Obama's preacher? It looks like. I don't Obama's think it is, preacher. but it looks like him. Well, let's pull this back. Top, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. <laughs> Said like that it. both George W. Bush and his father had anal sex with 100 men. How do you know that? Because they are part of the well-known fraternal group out of Yale University known as Skull and Bones. And it's public knowledge that the Skull and Bones organization, in order to be a need. First of all, then a part of the process, you had to stand in a circular, if you will, masturbation squad to be a part of Skull and Bones. And then you also had to be penetrated by the elder persons in Skull and Bones. Wait, did okay. he say did he say masturbation squad? That's the new show, bro. That's, I was saying, like, all right, we got to rebrand. We'll talk. We'll talk after the show, David. <laughs> that could definitely be a sub show. I'm not mad at masturbation squad now. Now. <laughs> So far, because these are bold claims uh, from whoever this gentleman is. I wish I had his name because I, I greatly respect him. Uh, but but these are bold claims. A masturbation squad uh, to be <laughs> laid in a casket and urinated on um, and masturbated on. And, and I do believe he just said penetrated uh, by the elder members of Skull and Bones at Yale. Now, now, does that sound reasonable to you? Tom, not 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 as a not as a regular man. Not, this doesn't sound reasonable whatsoever. But is this line up with what you have uh, come to understand about these secret societies? I mean, this is the elite of the elites. So you don't want to just let anyone in. You want to make sure that whoever's coming in can take at least 100 fat hogs of old dudes. Because yeah. if you got anything less than that, what do you No, So, I mean, what he's describing is a hyperbole of something that's already a bit of a hyperbole, I think. But so there is something called the obscene right. And the obscene right has been described as a whole bunch of different things. The craziest version, maybe not as much as like Bush getting banged by, you know, Papa Bush, but like one level separated from that level of craziness is that they eat a live pineal gland right there inside the tomb that's the most extreme and then the least alive? extreme a like lot yeah like someone's a head a fresh yeah fresh pineal gland this one doesn't have as much credibility either if you look into it the source usually ends up being this guy named trust me bro and i haven't found any of his other work it's all over the place so here, here's a quote from the obscene right on a random internet but like i, I dug into this one because this one sounded so damn interesting and the full quote is that the obscene rite takes place in a red room, um, and the red room is where 
They are torturing. What can I say on here? We can say anything we want, right? Whatever you yeah, want. You say, yeah, yeah. Torturing people for blood for a blood high is real, but the high comes from the other drugs that people partaking that are on, notably cocaine. That said, practitioners will go full schizo Satan worshiper because of the chrome while also being high as fucking balls on the other crazy shit. That's the closest direct reference to someone describing what's going on in one of these obscene rites. Now, I don't... Hey, go ahead. Um, uh, so, adrenochrome. We joke, we joke about it a lot, but you seem like a kind of guy who would know. What does it actually do? Does it make them go schizophrenic? Like, what does adrenochrome 100%. do? 100%. So, so, they found adrenochrome... I'll try to keep this one a little bit short because it's like a long, it's like yeah, my let, favorite let's topic. Find a, I don't know how many times we can say, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if we'll get tagged for the word, but let's just, oh yeah, no, chrome. you will. Let's call it chrome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I call it thrill oxide. So, so, uh, I like that. That's cool. So the thrill oxide originally what happened, I'm going to like simplify all this stuff, but I've got a, a documentary on YouTube. It's called thrill oxide, uh, that you can search and find some oh, of this. Definitely but, check that out. So, so is it really called that or is it called what we're not saying? No, it is. Uh, so on Rumble, it's called The Real Word that starts okay. with A. And on YouTube, it's called Thrill Oxide because I got a strike for just saying it too many times. For, for telling their I secrets. Said like 100 times in 20 minutes. Apparently that's pushing the limit for a. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so where they found it originally is imagine you got these rich people that have been in power. They've got all the resources and money at their disposal. And everyone knows that as you get old, you die. That's, that's kind of like a given you can't escape from. But one thing they were noticing is like, damn, you know, my progeny, this guy that I'm about to leave all of my assets and resources to, he's acting crazy. Like, he might actually be crazy. And they also noticed that once people, st and what they were describing is early onset dementia. And it usually, mm. if it happens in the older people, still, it's like, okay, yeah, grandma got a certain age and they start kind of sunsetting and, and that sort of took its natural course. But when it would happen to your progeny, now it's a problem because now you don't got anyone to leave everything to. And it was such a stark difference. It was like, they were normal yesterday. What's, what's going on why are they starting to go crazy and talk to themselves and like hear voices and stuff so that was where it, it originated where the rich people that had the money and had the control of the science and the schools they were like okay focus on this because this is one thing that we can't do anything about and it feels like we should be able to fix that so with all our money and power and resource find out what's going on so one of the things they did is they did extensive test on dementia patients and schizophrenia patients and just through a long boring course of research they discovered that schizophrenics consistently had four to ten times the amount of thrill oxide in their bloodstream versus anybody else like it was it was consistent enough that you could say if you just randomly sample a room and took the people that had higher levels of thrill oxide in their blood they would be on the closer to the end of being schizophrenic than people that had lower ends um so that that's like the overall scientific official version this is between the, the 1930s and the 1950s in america specifically okay conspiracy theory time the united states government is making us all crazy with the internet, well, the world government, with the internet, in order to harvest our adrenochrome. How easy would that mm. be? You just scoop up anyone on the street <laughs> and drain their blood. And like they got it. we're all just redlining all the time. We're all worried about yeah. Israel and Palestine, <laughs> and, and we're worried about the economy, and we're worried about, you know, who's racist and who's homophobic and, and all this crap and, and, and the debt and da 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 and, and we're redlining all the time. And so at any moment, you could just scoop one of our bodies up and, it's and so just much suck easier. on our foreheads. They have to run a whole pedophile ring to do this in Hawaii now 
where if you could just get the whole population, I don't know. This is, I'm just throwing it out there. We'll see. I like it, dude. I like it. Well, wouldn't it make sense to like, all right, the reason that schizophrenics are producing more of this thrill oxide, right? Uh, is because they are going through it all the damn time. Like everything for them is dialed up to 10. They're going through a, a, a horrifying experience far more often than the average person. And, and so just by proxy of that experience, uh, I would expect their adrenaline levels to be spiking Heightened. constantly. Well, you get what like a feedback loop is in terms of like audio, right? It's like when you say something and a microphone picks up the thing that you said, yeah. but then it comes through the speakers and then the microphone picks that up too. And it forms exactly. this infinite loop where it just, um, and until you turn the volume down somewhere or unplug the mic, it gets so bad that your speakers will blow, right? Like it, it'll just keep getting worse until you fix it. So there's some aspect of that. Like if, if you guys are familiar with um, like, like uptake inhibitors, like MAOIs or SSRIs, what these things do is they I'm oversimplifying this is they kind of form this intentional feedback loop where normally your body produces something like let's say it's it's a, a dopamine or serotonin SSR would be serotonin your body creates a certain amount of serotonin it gets released and then whatever doesn't get used is supposed to kind of like get sucked back up into your your little you know um, dopamine nozzle or serotonin nozzles and it like saves it for the next time that you need it so it doesn't actually use everything and the, and all the other stuff that doesn't get sucked back in to use for the next time highly technical terms by the way that stuff oh, yeah. it just degrades and it dissolves and you don't you don't really like absorb it that's it's a normal process right so an SSRI means means that that's that point when it like normally gets sucked back up and stored for later like instead of putting it back in the garage it's like hey we got all this stuff out let's just use it all you know what i mean or like don't put it back in the garage keep keep going out there so what happens is now you've got more serotonin in your system just in general than you normally would have and it's not that like you're creating the serotonin it's just that the normal serotonin that would normally be reabsorbed and stored you're just using it all constantly it's partying so yeah it's just like a nonstop party. And so if you imagine that's kind of what schizophrenia is in a way, it's that an adrenochrome doesn't make you crazy, but it, it, adds, it creates this feedback loop. So first you get into a fight or flight response, your body generates adrenaline and you just get into that typical, you know, adrenaline state. Everyone's been in some sort of a state when they're like pumped full of adrenaline. And then as your body has to like purge that out, it's like, okay, the threat's over, we're good. I can't keep being in this state forever, I'll have a heart attack, right? And what a heart attack is in that case, it's that your body has so much adrenaline in it that your heart like doesn't know what to do and it's almost like toxic and it just stops your heart, you have a heart attack, you die. But what you can do is that as it degrades, if your body processes all that extra adrenaline and doesn't re-uptake it, which is what cocaine does, is basically an inhibitor that keeps adrenaline in your system. Um, that's that's how cocaine works. But so as as you do this, your body naturally degrades adrenaline and it turns it into a thrill oxide, um, and then the thrill oxide continues to degrade, and that turns into melatonin, and that turns into pigments and stuff. Um, but what would happen is that if it doesn't degrade, or if you're producing way more adrenaline than a normal person, let's say that you produce five times as much adrenaline when you get into these like fight-or-flight responses, you're going to be jacked up for a lot longer, and you're going to have way more to process. So either A, you're going to die from it and have a heart attack, or chances are you having a heart attack from a spike of adrenaline got weeded through your, your you know, um, genealogy like hundreds and hundreds of years ago uh, generously. So now what you got is someone that can process five times as much adrenaline as anyone else, which means they've got five times as much 
thrill oxide in their blood system as anyone else. So that kind of leads to anyone that pro- produces more adrenaline than they need to con- on a constant basis, 24 seven, then they'll have a higher level of thrill oxide. And therefore they're probably schizophrenic, whether or not they show all those signs, they've got like the biology to show that they'd be schizophrenic. So, lo- so long story short, like you don't need to harvest this. If anything, they might be trying to identify people that they're in competition with and take them out because there's also a oh, lot of benefits to being like that. Them. Blackmail them before they become an issue, or or that, or just their their competition in that uh, it's hit them with the this heart is, attack. This is this is real subjective, right? But that people that tend to be closer to schizophrenic, they're usually like more introverted. They're more creative. They're like the artists, the poets, like all of the the people that like you know off themselves and like have um, more of those kind of issues. They're less likely to be like uh, entrepreneurs or like mathematicians and like I mean this is broad strokes here, right? Like, you yeah, don't put yeah. everyone to, but but that's one of the issues. But then the other one this is based on research by Dr. Abram Hoffer and John Smithies. Uh, they were the ones that did all this research in the 50s. But he also proposes that people that survive these huge global pandemics like the Black Plague and, you know, dot, 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 fill in the others, but that they actually have higher levels of thrill oxide or, or being closer on that schizophrenic side of the spectrum. And they will actually survive these huge pandemics for the same reason that their body can process adrenaline faster is the same reason they can kind of just survive in general faster. So that means that if you've got this propensity to be a schizophrenic or have dementia or whatever, if you don't actually get the schizophrenia or dementia, like it's a recessive or you're somehow able to avoid it. It's you like are, a coin flip on a superpower. Well, you, well, you're kind of, yeah, dude, you're, you're sort of like, yeah, you got like the star, right? You got the, yeah, you're either super, retarded or you're fucking, you're not, you're not going to, cool. yeah, dude, you're either going to be insane or, and this again, oversimplification. Imagine it's like a muscle, right? If being crazy is a muscle, like you want to keep breaking those fibers and keep getting yourself closer and closer to the edge of sanity. And then being like, all right, let's, let's take a break. And then next time we'll get crazier. So to tie this back in, like, I don't think that they would need to harvest thrill oxide from a person. Although the process of doing it to a live person and going through that crazy ritual and everything that would entail would push you to the brink of insanity and it would do it in a way that you wouldn't have to be like chemically altering your body in like irrevocable ways. You could do it just in like a context. And at the end, if you also get a little dose of what we were talking about in that obscene right where the the high is less from eating the pineal gland or drinking the, the thrill oxide. It's more from like the experience and the fact that everyone's already on drugs anyways, but that just adds to it. So like what they're doing is they're trying to get as crazy as they can and then bring themselves back because that is like building this muscle that you can pass down. So by identifying other crazy people and taking them out, now there's less people that are going to survive the next big wave because they've, they're sort of like, you know, institutionalizing or they're just straight up, you know, um, putting them in jail or whatever, but they're getting rid of the people that are getting crazy like that. Hey man, have you looked into, uh, again, I mean, every episode, Jerry Marzinski, uh, and his link, he thinks that, uh, schizophrenia is like literally demons talking to people. It's like outside voices coming from you, uh, you being an antenna, picking up outside voices and these outside voices are more likely to you know, talk to people with schizophrenia, but now you're saying it's like, it's a chemical thing. Like if they have this, uh, what do you call it? Thrill oxide, higher levels of thrill (laughs) oxide. You're more likely to have a schizophrenic mind, which is like, 
why would we want this thing so much unless we're channeling some kind of demons or entities beyond that want us to open up this gateway, at least in our mind to them? Are, are you familiar with Jerry? Because Jerry was a, a clinical psychologist for 30 years working in a, a schizophrenia ward. I'd love for him. And, I'd love uh, for him to sit in on that, that interview because oh, man, I feel like it would be awesome. Yeah, I would love to, man. That that sounds awesome. I haven't. I, I'm not familiar with his name or his work. I would love to get a more kind of clinical version yeah. of this, especially from someone on the inside. Part of the reason that he suspects what he does is because these these uh, voices often will lead them to things that end up being true. For example, it'll be like, hey, go into this field, go into this field and look for a, a plank of wood. And when you lift the plank of wood up, there's going to be money under there. There's going to be drugs under there. And it'll be like, you know, somebody's stash spot for a drug transfer or, you know, go into this person's house, go into the bathroom, lift up the back of the toilet. There's going to be cash in there. And, and it would be a sort of a reliable source of information that you know, you wouldn't be able to 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 explain that away so easily. But it's funny because I was just with Top over the weekend oh, and yeah. I have an aunt who's schizophrenic. And um, and when I was younger, I, I heard a voice once. And for a long time, I was really worried that I was going to become schizophrenic. Once I was old enough to put it into context, I was like, oh, shit, dude, that's not dope. And once I passed that age, because there's sort of a magic age, right? It's like 26 to 30 or something. If you exactly. can get over that's, that that's hump, the early onset dementia that we were talking about before. Exactly. And so once I got past that and I wasn't hearing, I never heard a voice again or anything, I felt comfortable talking about it. But it's a weird thing. I kept like under wraps for a long time. And then I'm talking to Top's wife, who I forgot in the moment is is a nurse. And I'm telling her how I get like it. It's funny. I'm in a house full of uh, all these strangers and we're talking about the craziest stuff. The most interesting thing, Top, to the rest of your family was that I go to sleep really early. That yeah. was like the most inch. They were like, what's what? early? Dude, you go to sleep at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock? I was like, yeah. It's oh, that's me too, man. That's, that's me well, all day. I take a nap too, typically during the day. And <laughs> what? I, the way I was, okay, ex- yeah, much. so I was explaining it to, I, I go to sleep early. I, know, I wake up at like 6.30. So I'm getting like, I don't know, nine hours, nine and a half hours of sleep. And then I'm still taking a nap midday and I'll get hit with such fatigue that it's unreal. So I'm just like joking about this. My wife is making fun of me for taking naps. I'm talking to Top's wife. I'm like, yeah, there's times where I could fall asleep on my feet. I even consider putting a uh, there's times it gets so bad. I'm like, what if I put cardboard on the bathroom floor of my job and took a 15 minute nap? That's where my mind goes. I've been I've been fired before because I was driving and I couldn't risk it anymore. I was getting sucked like into sleep and I had to pull over and take a 15 minute nap. And the guy incredible. Like, I was new and he thought I was just doing making shit up. He's like, no, you're not taking a nap. And I was like, no, dude, it was dangerous. Like I was falling asleep. He's like, no, that's bullshit. Uh, so he fired me. But um, she goes. Yeah. Have you ever been through like anything really intense? And I was like, yeah, I'm not. We were talking about, you know, my feelings and my emotions. I was like, I'm not very well in in touch with them. I used to be homeless uh, and you get really good at like shoving stuff down so that you don't succumb to your emotions. And she goes, yeah, I think you have um, an adrenal issue. I think you have like uh, Mm -hmm. uh, something. Something is up with your either an overactive adrenal Adrenal gland or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like I remembered in that moment she was a nurse and. Now I'm remembering all this other stuff about my my aunt being schizophrenic and me hearing the voice. And I wonder if I if I made the cut, because as you're describing all this stuff, I'm like, this fucking sounds like me. Like I am uh, a creative, but I'm not like you're not going to catch me. Uh, I can't do the grind. You know, the like 60 hour work week, 70 hour work weeks, like grind and get that cash and get that money. Like I can't like the walls close in around me and I feel like it's crushing my soul. That's a very strange thing to feel but that's what i feel but it just reminded me of all that because i'm like oh shit maybe i do 
maybe that's just what happens from like trauma because being homeless is, is traumatizing when you're a teenager. And so I think like I did some damage. It was either like, you know, need years of therapy or crush your feelings down and, and move forward. And I did the crush your feelings down thing. Like a man. So now I do. don't. Hell yeah. yeah. Exactly, dude. I don't need therapy. Ignore it, bro. Then I was telling her, I was like, yeah, one time I was in Las Vegas and, um, and I guess I had a panic attack. I thought I was having a stroke. I never felt it before. I just knew that my hands couldn't close anymore. And, uh, and I felt like I was going to fall even like, it felt like my feet were really light and I couldn't like regulate my heartbeat. And so I decided to go to sleep. I thought I was having a heart attack, but I didn't want to tell my wife that because if I told my <laughs> wife that, dude, then she's going to get stressed out and that's going to stress me out. That's a feedback loop I don't want. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, the solution good. is I'm going to fucking sleep. And so I went to sleep like that. And I'm telling your wife this and she's like, yeah, there's something wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. And I was that doesn't like, take oh, a nurse shit, to come up yeah, with she's that a nurse. I forgot about the nurse aspect. But let me um, let me pull back the rest of this video. And then I want to ask you a question uh, after this uh, that I that I, I really would like to know the answer to. Where the hell is my Twitter? Here it is. Boom. All right. Because he says some fun stuff. And I love the phrases that he uses. Everybody knows this as public knowledge. And George Bush Sr. and George Bush Jr. are bona fide members of Skull and Bones. That means they have been penetrated by at least 100 men in their anus area. And how do you know that it's 100? <laughs> Might it have been 95? Well, it could have been could have been less. But generally, that's the number that kind of gets the attention <laughs> of everybody. And if it could have been fewer, it could have been none also, right? No, it could not have been none. It could not have been none. No. And because Skull and Bones will not accept you without that practice is hideous. But that's what they do. That's what these fraternities do. Some do even worse than that. But yes, George Bush has been penetrated by other men and has also been doused in semen of other men while he lie in a casket. Other men have uh, masturbated in his face. Sounds like quite an evening. Hey. <laughs> Man, first off, that motherfucker, every time I watch it, I'm more and more impressed with the white guy. He is a professional. Where is this oh, guy? Dude. I want him on the show. Unbelievable. Doused in semen. Other men have masturbated in his face. I Could love it. Could be 95. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. So like, I like he was um, negotiating hardball. He was like, well, if it's less than 95, it could be zero. And it's like, he's like no, no, it is not zero. No way. No, it could not have been zero. Well, <laughs> well like when he asked him the source, he's like, well, that's just the number that most people agree on. Most doctors that gets people's attention. Nine, nine <laughs> out of ten. Nine out of ten doctors say at least a hundred men. So uh, on that, what he was talking about again, like it was obvious. He even kind of admitted it was hyperbole when he said, OK, maybe it wasn't a hundred. Maybe it was like it had to be yeah. between one and a hundred. So, and I mentioned the obscene right where they eat the pineal gland, like all this stuff. But the most tame version, I think, come from Anthony Sutton's book called Fleshing Out Skull and Bones by Trine Day Publishing. But he kind of states in there that this ritual is that you get into a coffin and you basically masturbate. And as you're doing this, you recount all of your like sexual escapades throughout you know your your life that you can remember and they write it all down in like a book and then they take this book or a scroll or whatever the hell they write it on and they kind of like put it into the the archive right so it's it's very reminiscent of like the B bavarian illuminati because what they would do is have you kind of give them all the dirt and all the details on yourself have you ever seen the nexium cult they did something similar where they'd have you like record you saying something real messed up to all the people that care about you so it's like if you ever leave, 
we'll play you this video to your Nana that's like, you know, you jerking off and saying, fuck you, Nana. So that's Whoa. what they have on them. Yeah. So really, the, the Bavarian Illuminati had something very similar to that, where they had like a whole black book that you voluntarily gave them in exchange to be a member. And you could say that this kind of migrated and morphed into the Skull and Bones, where now the Skull and Bones... In my mind, it's probably realistically something similar. It's like, what's every horrible thing you've ever done? So now we've got a record and some dirt on you. If they jerk off or not, I don't know. It's college, you know? If they've had some beers, like, who hasn't jerked off with other college buddies? That's not gay. It's just, like, part of I the college experience, college, bro. So. Don't. Well, oh, well, yeah, maybe you haven't gone through with them, but. Or anyone that's <laughs> gone through the military. Like, you've been in a room full of naked dudes, which is the gayest thing that could ever happen, right? <laughs> 99 oh shout out to uh to cheney project cheney what's going on uh yeah so i think that that brings me into my next question um i i, I want to know some of the and, and we can go into hyperbole right we can go to the more extreme versions because that's fun dude uh what are some <laughs> of the things that you've come to understand uh as as the more egregious uh uh uh, what is it? Barriers to entry into these secret societies, right? If if skull and crossbones on the high end, uh, you have to get penetrated by a hundred men. On the low end, it's certainly not zero. It couldn't be zero, right? Uh, what what other secret societies have a bar for entry that is uh, Wait, very disturbing? I have a question. Now this is like you might know. Um, what does the anus have to do with? Uh, thrill oxide because it seems like they're going through this route constantly especially with children so what what do you have any insight into there i don't think anything and and to be honest i'm <laughs> from what my understanding is that you could get the same quality thrill oxide from a cow as you could from a person and none of it involves torture or anything like that all you got to do is extract the adrenal gland and that has all the components you would need, all the precursors that would create adrenaline. So essentially, first you create adrenaline, and then you create thrill oxide out of it. Anyone that's got an EpiPen, if you, I mean, they, they probably have like special chemicals and stuff, but the old school EpiPens that they were bringing back from World War I, um, they were starting to go bad. And, uh, and it would go from a clear liquid into like a milky or a pink liquid. And the original name for thrill oxide was pink adrenaline, because that's literally what it was. They had all these stuff of adrenaline, uh, epinephrine, the other name for it, and that just from sitting around too much in the back of, you know, a tank or whatever the hell they were storing it in, it would degrade. And that's exactly what happens. Adrenaline degrades and turns into thrill oxide. So people would be, you know, need an EpiPen and they'd shoot themselves up with what they thought was adrenaline. They'd get some of that adrenaline, but then they'd start tripping out and hallucinating. And that's actually where they first started connecting these dots. So, so a lot of the source for that original epinephrine that turned into the pink adrenaline, I mean, I don't think that that came from human subjects. They just got that stuff from cows and horses and whatever other sort of byproducts from the farming industry, because that's what makes adrenaline and thrill oxide so unique is that there's not any other real chemicals that have a universal effect on all other animals that can also be extracted from mammals. There's the, um... Uh, butofen or whatever it's called that comes from the frogs that people do like the darts or they like they lick the frog and they trip out and then there's like toxoplasmosis where you like lick a cat's butt or whatever right but all of those have a way different impact because what's happening with adrenaline and thrill oxide is that's the actual chemical that's meant to do the thing 
that you're doing. So I can take it from me and give it to a cat or I can take a hippopotamus and extract it from that and put it in my body. And it all is this like universal substance. So I don't want to, I don't wow. want to party poop. Yeah. So I don't think that no, torturing a kid. Not, you're not party pooping. Well, somebody I mean, should it, tell the elites this then. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying though. Like the, the, it's like, it's not the destination. It's the journey. Right. So it's, sometimes it it, if, if it makes it more is, fun. If this is indeed linked with schizophrenia and schizophrenia is linked with uh, like speaking with demons, then it, this kind of does follow like all this butt stuff and all like the torture that you're doing is literally just I- insane because you can get it by other means much easily. Instead, you've created like this global blackmail ring to do something that you could have gotten from a cow. It's well, insane. Well, there's, a, there's another aspect to that, too. So. On the the whole, like, let's say it's demons that are latching themselves on to schizophrenia. So there's the naturalistic version where it's all chemicals and then the supernatural version where it's all demons. It might be somewhere in between those two. There's this concept from, I think, Rosicrucianism, which just summarizes it from other sources, but that ghosts aren't maybe necessarily like unfinished business, but like one example is that you get so attached to your material form that you have like a sex addiction or you become an alcoholic or a drug addiction when you die and it's time to pass on. It's not like you've got unresolved business and you need to go haunt somewhere. It's like you're so addicted to alcohol that you can't actually leave the physical realm because leaving the physical realm means you don't ever get to have a sip of alcohol again, Uh, which sounds silly because it's like, if you just leave the physical realm, you're just like in the best mood all the time, every time. Right. But if you're so addicted to it, what will happen is that that addiction kind of becomes like this anchor. So like instead of you oversimplifying it, instead of you going to the light and going behind the gate and chilling with all the homies, like you go to a bar and your your ghost soul latches on to another dude that's drinking. And now he becomes even more addicted because now you're the monkey on his back. And then when he dies, you guys latch on to somebody else. So and just take any of your vices that have to do with remaining in the material physical realm so if that's your thing now like it's not just extracting this thing and taking it now it's like what if a demon wanted to experience other things in the physical realm they couldn't in the spiritual or like this metaphorical realm so maybe they just really like murdering children maybe they just really like you know doing these things so they have to use us to do it i like the idea that these uh some of these ghosts are just meth heads meth heads that just can't let go of meth that's that's incredible 100%. but what you were saying earlier about um you know we're, we're speculating as to the correlation between schizophrenia uh an overactive uh adrenal gland um and demons right it's the way i see it you, you kind of alluded to it there for a moment where you said maybe it's a mixture of both but it's like if the brain really is a receiver of frequency uh and these entities are reduced from instead of a physical form, uh, strictly energetic form, and your brain has the capabilities of receiving them, but only under the right conditions. And maybe these chemicals alter the receiver in some way where then it's more susceptible to taking in things like that. So maybe it is a feedback loop, right? Where it's like an over, maybe if there is trauma, because I, I would expect that there is a, and I'm, I'm, I, I can't say this definitively, but it sounds reasonable to suggest that there's a link between childhood trauma and future schizophrenia that that doesn't seem like much of a leap right maybe uh that trauma 
douses your brain and douses like i understand where where it's coming from it's just pours pours over your brain a bunch of adrenaline and this changes the nature of the receiver and now not only did you have a traumatic experience but the chemical reaction in your brain has now changed the receiver in such a way that you are, are receptive to these frequencies these entities that are otherwise just energy and frequency and now it is a feedback loop because now they're interacting with you because of the trauma causing more trauma, causing more adrenaline, causing you to be more receptive to them in their messages or whatever until, you know, you have some horrifying case. My 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 aunt is, uh, you know, beyond the pale in a lot of ways. Uh, she is full-blown schizophrenic, multiple personalities. And I've said it before, I think, on the show, but she's been uh, arrested for climbing the George Washington Bridge. Uh, she's been arrested for uh, stopping an NJ Transit train. She was on the news for that. Um you know, she's been in and out of institutions and halfway houses uh, all around New York City, basically. We were from New Jersey, and so she was in the hood of New Jersey in Elizabeth, which is a, just a terrible place to live, and then on the streets of New York. Um, but she has told me things when she was okay, when she was on meds that, you know, calmed her down and made her pretty normal for a while of course it's always when they neglect the meds that all of this shit comes rushing back but i think that's probably a double-edged sword right because i remember the way she would describe it was like everything was on mute like her whole life was on mute um everything was just kind of smothered and so she she wasn't a fan of them and they would bring her some peace she'd be able to interact with her family for some time but i, I imagine that whatever that experience is life it's still not worth not hearing voices uh, because of, you know, what it does to your 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 quality of life. But she would tell me things like she would um, smell the devil. This is one that I've, I've talked about pretty often. A horrifying story. Uh, she was really uh, sort of open about sharing this with me. But one of the things she said that stuck with me was that the devil had a particular smell. And I don't know if you've ever come across this notion, um, you know, being into occult research and things of that nature. But she said that the devil smelled like uh sulfur and rotting flesh and throughout my research i find that a lot of people who have run-ins with either cryptids aliens uh alien encounters um spirits you know whether it's some sort of demonic entity they will describe a smell associated with it and it's very rare so they won't always describe a smell associated with these encounters but when they do it's putrid sulfuric and i've even heard stories where people claim to have been in the presence of portals opening and that's one of the things they smelled was a putrid rotten sulfuric smell and so i can't help but wonder uh and and that brings us back to jerry marzinski we've been talking a lot about him lately but we are uh gearing up to have him on soon and so we'll be able to put that uh to bed but right now it's like this you know this thing in our brain where me and top just keep going back and forth about it because it's incredibly interesting i mean do you want to you want to get into what happened over the weekend? What we what we saw? Oh yeah, um, I'm actually talking to the person that showed us that to get them to send me the recording. Uh, so and they've agreed to do that. Uh, you know, they just haven't gotten around to it yet. But essentially, what happened, Tom, over the weekend was that uh, we were hanging out with some friends, and one of them confided in us. Uh, unfortunately, somebody close to them had passed away of a fentanyl overdose, and um, the roommate of the person who passed away was aware that they were going through it. They locked themselves in a room and they didn't quite know that they were overdosing. I guess they knew that they were high. 
and they knew that they were alone in that room. And they started to hear what sounded like several different voices, not in any discernible language, but several voices coming from the room. And it was horrifying. You know, it's very much like the exorcist. I mean, that's the, the nature, a lot of growling and, and schizophrenics will do this too. And, and people who are, uh, really high on a lot of shit will do this too. People who are, you know, this on was, fentanyl, I suppose. Like listening to it there, it was definitely more than one voice overlapping in two different, uh, like pitches. One is like a guttural growl. And the other one is like, you can hear a guy at the same time, like whimpering. And there's one person in that room. And there's, there's people also, that can do that. It's called dual throating, I think. Well, but did they die themselves. right after? No, yeah, you don't die right after. But I mean, if, if you're channeling something that could give you a skill that any human could do only if you knew how to, you know what I mean? Like it could just be a thing that people do as they get channeled too. Well, I said right. two voices, but David said he heard three and the other person said that there was like three or four, but I'm just being like super conservative. I'm like more than one. This is like a JFK assassination. Like, oh, there was yeah, three shots. Oh, there's four shots. <laughs> well, so so I, I thought that I heard three. Uh, the whimpering guy, which I, I, I thought I identified as him suffering. This is, you know, obviously heavy speculation, right? There's no way to know this for certain. But uh, what I identified as him suffering, there was a a almost an animalistic growl. Uh, and then there was a voice that sounded just like the little girl from The Exorcist. Like, they're fucking your mother's pussy in hell or whatever the hell she says. It was that kind of a voice. And at one point, for only like, we're talking like five seconds worth, there are two voices happening simultaneously over one another. And so, you know, like you said, that this this could be a, a phenomenon that happens when people are, are channeling and things like that. Uh, but it was, I mean, like, I felt bad it was happening at Top's house. That's how I was like, I feel bad that we're listening to this on your we had to go outside on his porch. And even then I was like, this feel it was dark out and shit. And I was like, this feels fucked up. I feel like we shouldn't be listening to this here. But I was stoked. I really wanted to hear it. And it was. And then unfortunately, um, the guy, he has enough. He doesn't want to record anymore. It's so terrifying to him because he's hearing this as well. And you can imagine it's probably significantly higher audio quality. In yeah, there's like shit. So there's shit falling in the in the room. It's something it's, it's like a struggle going on in the room and the yeah. dude's just recording from the other other side of the door. And so he decides to to hightail it out of there because it gets too heavy for him. He calls him up. One thing leads to another. Uh, they arrive and they find him uh, dead in the bathroom. So he, he ends up overdosing. But and this is the last, you know, noises uh, that he made. And so it gets us back and forth to this idea of like drug use, schizophrenia, Channeling entities, you know, dual throating. Yeah, that's that was a rough right? paraphrase of that. I'll have to find the real <laughs> word, but dual throating is cooler to say. That's what all the kids are saying. I like that one, but, but you know, there to me, it's it seems like we have uh, a very um, where the medical industry is too prideful maybe to admit that they don't have a good handle on what schizophrenia is schizophrenia oh, yeah. is a sort of a scattershot of you know it's like birdshot it hits all kinds of different things um and they're all category categorized as the same thing and then they just sort of drug these people into oblivion because at least if we don't understand it we can subdue them and make them less of a danger i suppose to other people uh but like our understanding of it is is horrible well, before you even get into the schizophrenia, they used to call it 
dementia precox and dementia precox it was like if you had any mental issue at all then you were schizophrenic or you you had this dementia precox thing and and it was only over time and they would also throw criminals in here they would just say if you've got a propensity to do crime then you're clearly insane you clearly have something wrong with your brain so you're going to the same place as this dude that's like talking to people all the time you might be in different wings but you're in the same sort of facility and they would do the same thing for kids they like wouldn't pay attention in class or that had what you would I guess call now is like ADHD what they would do to those kids back in the day where like Ritalin and, and all of these other drugs came from is they would just give them meth and like it was straight up just meth um, and the kids would Damn, actually nice. do better on on a little bit of meth right they also did some alcohol studies where they would send kids like to do things drunk and they would follow you know kids that were like you know criminally minded and see what they would kind of get up to and that was all being grouped into the same thing as if you had uh, sort of like schizophrenia or dementia or, like a number of these different ailments and then you mentioned that your aunt also showed uh, multiple personality disorder, which is MPD or disassociative identity disorder, DID. Uh, there's a million different names for it now. Like the, the right, people keep getting offended and they change people, it. People overlap schizophrenia with that multiple personality disorder, kind of like a, what's that called? Um, some, when someone has Tourette's, they, they think that they just like curse out loud, but that's actually something else <laughs> right. that's associated with it that's very rare to be associated with it, but... It it's became. the fun. It's the fun version of it, though. And if, yeah, if you, when I was a kid, I thought it was the same thing. I thought schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder were the same thing. Like I, I didn't. It took me a long time to realize. Like you can be. So when I was hearing like, oh, so and so is schizophrenic, I'm thinking like my aunt. It's not the same thing though. Uh, and then bipolar gets wrapped up in there as well. And manic depressive gets wrapped like, up in that because a lot yes. of those are so a lot, a lot of what you're describing, like your aunt, for example, like she she circled in D that was like all of the above. Right. So, yes. yeah, the, the bipolar and manic depression. I'm not a doctor and this is all like very oversimplified, but bipolar and manic depression are I think very similar except on like a time scale. So bipolar means from moment to moment, I could be like this, like I could be in good mood, bad mood, good mood, bad mood, you know, happy, sad. And like at, at the flick of a wrist, essentially, if you do like manic depressive, it's sort of the same, but stretch that timeline out. It's not moment to moment. It's almost like day to day or event to event. So when you're manic, it's like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to shoot a movie. I'm going to paint a mural. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start a hundred projects. And then like a week or a month later, it's just like, man, I'm no good. Um, like I, I suck. I'm not going to call anyone back. Why does anyone even want to talk to me? And if you consistently go through those ups and downs, on like a moment to moment, you might be bipolar. You probably know that by now, or other people probably know that. If you're manic depressive, some people are like, oh, it's just that time of the year when I get, you know, sad or when I get happy. But if it's consistent enough that there's like, you could draw like a pattern, then that might imply like mania. So then you were saying that your aunt um, almost like goes through these modes but when she's on her meds that it, everything's like muted so if you look at like a, an audio signal right if you get like a raw uncompressed audio signal that's kind of what the waveform looks like it's all over the place it gets really high it gets really low but then when you want to like present it you will do some compression so usually you'll squish it down so instead of the highs and lows like everything will be reduced a little bit and then you can raise the like i'm not going to get into like the audio thing but the actual compression aspect before you add gain back to it, it's actually reducing the lows, like the lowest lows and the highest highs to bring in sort of a, a more average bandwidth between everything. That's kind of what you're describing. So like the, the, 
manic depressives, like being manic might actually feel great because it's like I can do 500 projects. I'm Superman. Let's do this. You know, like it's not realistic, but it feels great to do that. And then when you get on the other side, like it probably sucks to be on the very far depressed side. But as you come back up, that incredible dopamine release. So now imagine you don't get that fun mania and you don't get that fun dopamine release. You just kind of stay in this plateau all the time. That's that mute button that she's kind of describing. You really um, you describe you're describing uh, Hitler, man, because he's like, yo, we're going <laughs> to fucking take over Europe. We're going to wear fucking Dior. We're going to be flying. And then he's and then, like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he crashes and he's like, you know what? Stop feeding these Jews. Like, <laughs> bring them out to the field. I was like, damn, man, you were doing so good. What happened? You could have just given him some <laughs> Zoloft and it might have been, it might have been all good. Avoid this that, whole thing. I'm not going to lie, though. You're, I'm fucking sitting over here. You're describing this. This is, you're describing me. Like, I thought that everybody <laughs> had big, like, I have cycles that I go through yearly. I found recently that they are like, um, uh, instead of contracting, they're they're expanding. So it's like where it used to be a really tight, predictable wave. Like, I know I'm going to be like this for part of the year and like this for the other part of the year. It was like a four to six month cycle or something like that. Now it's stretching out and becoming much more consistent. Um, you know what keeps it away? This. Like, if I don't create, if I'm not making a show, I, like, my self-worth plummets. Even if I have, like, a good job and I'm doing good, if I'm not creating and I'm not, like, putting out content, that's why I've been doing, like, top knows, I've been doing content for, like, six, seven years. Um, it's what I found that that quiets it. And if I don't do something like that, it's like I just have my my brain does a really good I think it's a good thing. It feels like a good thing uh, of like connecting dots and all this other shit. You, my mom used to worry that I was going to be paranoid. Uh, we, I used to have, well, I guess I still do have ADHD. They put me on Adderall when I was a kid, but I experienced the mute and also the thickening. Like your boy got fucking, oh no, it was the opposite. I was fat as shit. And then I took Adderall, dropped all the weight. And then, but I became like essentially depressed and I, I became a, uh, I had to go to scared straight. So the scared Get the fuck out of here. I got, we got to find yeah, that video. So, like you say, I had to. Like, <laughs> I, I, Well, I did have to. So what happened was when they put me on Adderall, I became incredibly irritable. And I got into a lot of fights. Uh, like, and Ash, it was like the summer of eighth grade going into high school. Um, I wasn't going to go to high school because I had been in 13 fights in eighth grade. And the reason was is because I was on Adderall and I was incredibly irritable. And if anybody did anything to me, you know, it was like it was on. And I, I ended up going to like Rawway State Prison, uh, which was, you know, New Jersey State Prison. And um, it was the only way that I was going to pass the thing. And, man, it was like it was this would have been 2000 and uh, I'm sorry, 2003. Yeah, 2003. And they uh, they were definitely like hitting you. This is before it was a show. You know, like on the show, they didn't hit these kids. When we went, they hit us like they fucked us up. Well, they, they, they had a show in like the 90s, too. Yeah, oh, I yeah, bet yeah. you they hit them on that one. I bet I bet you back in the I day. It was an MTV find, like, show, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's good entertainment, dude. Like it was it's it was one on of my Jerry favorite. Springer. Dude, there was, was one Springer. where they, it's just this big guy comes out and just like hold my pocket. And that's the whole show is he's got this little Yo! kid like holding he his made, pocket I, and like walking around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> OK. I don't know what I can say on here. Uh, uh, Did you have a hundred guys jizz in your face? No, no. Ninety-five. They put me in a and they pissed Nin- on me. Sorry, ninety-five. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say Saget. So, so Bob Saget. So, uh, so they would pull their pocket inside out, and they'd make like the one dude, one one big fat kid, hold his pocket because he was laughing. He thought it was funny, and he's like, 
hold my pocket, you fat, sagged ass cracker. But sagged means something different. And and the kid would be like, okay. And he'd hold his pocket. And then the guy would start pacing back and forth and telling a story. When I was in the streets, I was in the park. I saw an old lady. Her purse was out. I decided I was going to rob that bitch. And then he would stop walking. And the kid would let go of the pocket and he'd turn around and slap him in front of everybody. Go, I oh. told you to hold my pocket, you fat, sagged ass cracker. Like, it was the best Whoa. shit. I, it was a bonding experience. But you better they not laugh, dude, because then you're holding dude, the pocket. I didn't laugh at I was such a bitch. They hit me one time because I didn't. <laughs> they said, uh, they put us all in line, right? I was 13, bro. I, they put us in line and they said, get dick to ass to the dude in front of you. Like, yeah. that's how they want you to be. Like, you got to press up against yeah. him. Yeah, and and the dude in front of me was a big, I'll never forget, Shane Honoré, big black dude, fat ass, right? And it was, like, on my chest because this was, like, everybody was going through growth spurts. Mine never hit. So his his ass was just on my chest. And all I did was, like, back up and look at it, you know, precariously or whatever. And fucking this dude, like, yanked me out of line. And all I remember is him saying, I said dick to ass. And he went, blow, and hit me one time. And it was, I just fucking, I was, like, sobbing. And he shoved me back against the wall. And then for the rest I'll of the shit, homework I was now. attached. <laughs> the rest of the time, I was attached to that dude. It didn't work, though. I went to fucking jail after that and all kinds of shit. If anything, I think it makes you, um, it gives you, like, this story. You go back to school and you have, like, the, yeah, I was in fucking prison. And then everybody thinks it's cool. And so it just only gets worse. It did not work at all. But, yeah, so uh, it's just funny because as you, I feel like I'm learning a lot about myself and my family through this podcast because... That was that's very much me. Like I have these these nothing in, in life for me is consistent. And I, I think like, oh, it's it's just my it's my cycles. Like, yeah, this is I'm 33 years old. I just know that about myself. Like I go. But I thought that was everybody. I thought like everybody just kind of went through. Um, well, I think I think it is everyone because no one is just like the, the same flat line their whole lives. But some people have way higher highs and way lower lows than other people. And then some people can predict it better than others. You know, like if you've actually got the advantage, even if the highs and, and the lows are crazy, if you can somehow predict it and be like, oh, I feel like this might be around the time of year that I'm going to get into my manic phase or to my depressive phase, you might not be able to like stop that phase from happening but you could be like let's not start a hundred projects like maybe it's just that thing that happens and let's just start like one or two projects and keep and the same thing on like the the depressive part you just remind yourself too, like okay this has never in my entire life has never lasted forever i always come out of this so there's no reason to think that this won't also be something that i come out of so just knowing your own patterns and knowing that can help you out but like I don't know of any like if you read some of Albert Hoffman's stuff, he would he would say that some people had like weird chemical deficiencies where if they ate an apple, they would start tripping and turn into a schizophrenic immediately because of the folic acid and a whole bunch of other, you know, different variations. There are some Dude, people yeah. on this planet that are just constantly tripping, but all it would take is take like a little niacin every day and then bam, the problem goes away immediately. Yeah, this is this is like the route that my wife has been exploring. Because she was a, well, she still is a registered nurse in Western medicine, but the idea of supplementation and not just supplementation, but like finding what you're actually deficient in, you know, and she's, she's gone down that route, even, even to like the the extreme of like, she went gluten free for a long time and it does free your mind. Like whether it be the bacteria in our gut or the chemicals and whatever kind of bullshit process goy slap that they're feeding us, this does affect us. All the time, because I, I feel the same way. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, 
I, but, I, but I'm more cognizant of it now. Before, I, I, I guess I would get like frustrated or like be confused. Now I wake up and I say, oh shit, like I feel like I'm going to, I'm going through a funk, but I'm, I'm aware, you know, I don't know why nothing really happened, but I'm aware of it. And if you're aware of it, then you can be like, okay, well, you know, things are just going to be a little bit more down. Don't feel like, don't feel like everything around you is crashing, get through it. And then you're back running. And guess what? You get through it and I'm back fucking running again the next couple of days or however long it is. It's not like, for me, it's not seasonal. For me, it's like random. So I guess I, I am manic depressive too. I'm learning about myself. Thank you very much. This might not be the best analogy, but it's like, here's, here's the difference between uh, like crazy and sane, I guess. Again, bad analogy, but let's say you shit your pants in your car or something, right? Like you, you go to let out a fart and it's a little bit more than you ordered. Um, and you get out and you start walking around and just going through your normal daily life. If you were like completely oblivious to this and other people are noticing it and they're laughing and they're pointing and stuff and you still just like keep on living your life and That's don't even at least acknowledge it, you're kind of crazy, right? If you get yeah. out of the car and you're like, okay, I still shit my pants, but I know that I shit my pants and you kind of shimmy around and, and people see that you're acting like you know You try to that get to the your- pants store you know like <laughs> right, you're looking right. for the, yeah that's but so normal but well, and it's and it's that's normal at a level that your brain it's not just like logic like your brain is seeing like that dude is acting like he doesn't know that he shit his pants when it's clearly yeah. out like i can smell it i can see it how does he not feel it so again <laughs> silly analogy here but it's kind of the same thing where if like you wake up and you sh- you shit the bed or you shit your pants. Like you'd be like, okay, this is a day that I shit my pants. Let me just live accordingly. Maybe I'll go take a shower and change or whatever. But if you get out and you don't even realize it and you go and live your day, now it just like it turns into a horrible feedback loop because now people are gonna treat you differently because they're like, this guy is fucking insane. This is you know? a great analogy. This. this is a fan- this I don't is- know if you know this fantastic analogy because it is like that. Like you're smelling like shit. And other people will tell, like, my wife would tell me, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know, and I'll just tell, like, ah, I'm just feeling like, like down, but I'm going to, you know, and I'll, I even let her know because she'll pick up on it. But it's like, yeah, if I shit my pants, she'd be like, you smell like shit. Like, what, what's going <laughs> what on? Doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you fucking doing? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you know, could also just be like, she'd be like, oh, you're, you're smelling like extra pungent today. You'd be like, yeah, I know. I stink. I haven't showered for a couple of days. It's like, oh, you know, you're nasty, dirty. But if you're like. What are you talking about? It smells great. Like I haven't I haven't showered in weeks, but there's no reason that I should. Like now it's like, oh, you're it's starting to go it's crazy. Natural. Yeah, natural now you're starting, yeah. Well, now you're starting to go crazy. Well, yeah. You know, to tie these two things together, shitting your pants and and what uh, Top was saying about you know goy food and, and what they're feeding us and and how you know you can really remedy a lot of this shit. Uh, and and then we'll hop off this afterwards because I do have a question that I, I think is really interesting um, for Tom. But uh, for a while. I was I realized I couldn't eat carbs like simple carbs would would make me crash like unbelievably hard. And so I started doing the the meat only thing and I wanted to do a challenge and I I did meat only for a month and I pulled it off. Um, But it wasn't without uh, having to shit on the floor in public uh, a couple of times. And one time in particular, I was with my son and uh, I went to my buddy's house and he said, hey, I'm not there yet. I'll be there in like 20 minutes. And I said, it's fine. We lived in a nice apartment complex. I figured we'd walk around and it's a lot of trees and and, and kind of uh, it was just a pretty place. So me and my son are walking through this apartment complex, taking in the view. 
And all of a sudden it hits me. And when it hits me, it, it would hit me like lightning, dude. And so I have to like suddenly I'm squeezing his hand. He's like, can you why are you squeezing my hand? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I have to release his hand and like shake my hands out. And I'm like, you know, just manically running around this apartment complex looking for some place to publicly to shit. shit. <laughs> yeah like to publicly shit dude and and my son's like where are we going and i'm like don't worry about it and i'm going like i'm gritting my teeth they're about to shatter and i can see in the distance there's a there's a construction um dumpster and so i start waddling over there real quick and he's like where are we going you know he's old enough to be frustrated at least <laughs> and i'm like don't worry about it just 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 come with me we get there what's nice is we find several 20 dollar bills on the way there we found about 80 dollars to this shit so <laughs> uh, this is a weird story i know dude we found about 80 dollars up to go shit behind this dumpster and as we get there my kid doesn't know what's going on i'm just like look 20 dollars look 20 dollars look 20 dollars we scoop it all up he's like this is amazing we finally get there and i'm like turn around and he's like what do you mean i'm like turn around <laughs> And, and give me around. the $20. I got to wipe my ass. <laughs> and I just drop my pants and, and just spray shit into a puddle. Um, and then to move on to when I was functioning at my highest, probably last summer, a diet of uh, meat, mostly beef, uh, raw organic honey, dairy, but like raw milk, um, a lot of Greek yogurt, organic Greek yogurt, um, sweet potatoes and a lot of fruit. Not only was I in fantastic shape and not shitting my pants, but I was functioning at an incredibly high level intellectually. Like I was goal oriented, able to smash through every, I was in the backyard in the sunlight in Florida doing kettlebell swings, like as a daily routine and also eating like a champion and taking care of all. I mean, I had a list of things that I wanted to get done. Like I'm going to move my life from New Jersey to Florida and I'm going to crush all these goals. A week after I arrived, I started a high paying job. Uh, a month and a half after I arrived, I closed on my first house. Like every massive thing that I wanted to do, I was taking it off the list. And then I've noticed since then, like my diet is, is, is suffered. I think it's because I do the show and it kind of threw me into chaos. I didn't know where everything was going. So I put everything else on the back burner and I'm like, let's get this podcast rolling. And then once I enter some routine, I can go back to those things. But I've noticed that my brain doesn't function the same way. And shout out to JC in the chat who said, um, B12 deficiency. I take two B12 things a day. I don't experience that that crash necessarily anymore where I'm about to fall asleep on my feet at work. It's it's yeah, there you go. Boom. I, I'm serious. I think there's like really something to the B12. A lot of vitamins I think are kind of shit, honestly. Um, but B12 seems to be something that is actually really important. So I take two B12s every morning uh, so that I don't nearly fall asleep on my feet predictably at 1230 to about two o'clock. It's a nightmare. And I'm going to I'm going to sleep on the the bathroom floor of a shop. Uh, but to get off all that crazy shit, I wanted to ask you, uh, paranoid because you, you know, one, I want to know how it is that you got into all of this. Like you are for folks who don't know you are, you have your hands in some of the coolest shit. Like I, sometimes I feel like there's an inner child in me who wants all these different things, right? I want like occult action figures. I want Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, conspiracy theory comic books. You are doing all of this. Like mm. every once in a while, you'll show me something that you're working on. I know you just did um, uh, the Chaos Twins with Sam Tripoli, where it's uh, a comic book series that is about to be released. The first issue is going to come out. I believe it's January. 
Um, and it's about his kids and they're they're fighting essentially cryptids and and different like occult uh, conspiracy things and, and reptilians and all and that, that. Yo, that Kickstarter uh, is kicking ass, man. You guys are it on is. fire. It's, it's nuts, crushing. dude. It's, it's been blowing up. Yeah, this is it's so I'm hoping this is watch. like the, the turn into getting into more mainstream and getting stuff in shops. I oh, think yeah. so. And I, I can see it. It's like it's all coming over this hill right now. Uh, and, and every time you talk to me, you show me something unbelievably awesome that you're working on and for you to be so immersed in this and and not only that incredibly knowledgeable you've done your homework for a long time uh and it shows not only in in your rhetoric but also in your products like your products are accurate uh yeah. as far as the, the the content and so i'd like to know let's first start with like how, how how the hell dude like what 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 set you on this path like what was the first fucking thing that you were like because it's all snowballed into the most insane shit ever <laughs> i mean i i joke around there might be some truth to this but it's like all like uh everyone with kids listening you know close the ears but you find out santa claus isn't real and you're like wait my parents were in on this shit wait my <laughs> grandparents were in on this shit my teacher like everybody in my life that's an authority figure was in on this uh, and in you know retrospect it's for like good reasons but i think that kind of mentality just throws you in a spin and the next big one was like dare i remember fifth grade and we went through the dare program and they had all the like you know if you do this drug you'll start murdering people and you'll be a rapist and you're just like like if you if you smoke weed you turn to a criminal and you're in jail within a week essentially and like all of all of the different lies that you learn as a kid right and i think that at a certain age like all of those lies just all kind of like got disproved at once and then it was just like i don't believe anybody about anything anymore period i don't believe books i don't believe tv i don't believe my parents i don't believe my teachers none of it and it was also at an age where one of my friends had like the internet and man in the early days of the internet if you just went like randomly browsing, you, you would find some weird niche, you know, theories out there. So I found out Bavarian Illuminati and I found out about Skull and Bones and all this stuff as like, I don't know, 12 or 13 surfing the Internet. And there was even that card game. Remember Steve? Ja um, is it Steve Jackson? The Illuminati card game that's supposed to be like all prophetic and all these. Like I got the whole set. I had the set when I was like 12 or 13. So I don't know what it was about the mid 90s was just like perfect for anyone that wanted to get into conspiracy culture before it was all like modern like a, i'm a hipster conspiracy theorist before it was like got left wing with the occupy movement and then before it turned right wing with you know sandy and and trump and everything before that it was like nonpartisan. it was just for weirdos and paranoids and like both sides of the political spectrum looked down on conspiracy theorists but now it's a little yeah. different now it's been like co-opted yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I remember dabbling it, dabbling in that in that in that time frame, but never going as deep as um, maybe that you have. And I sort of wish that I did because there's a lot of stuff on the internet. Like, you know, right now we'll be like, oh, I got to go to Google DuckDuckGo to search for uh, Illuminati secrets. You're never going to find anything. Before it's like <laughs> go to this website and that website will tell you to go to another website and then you'll fucking talk to some dude in the chat room. He's like, no, no, go to this website. Yeah, dude. And nothing is like yeah. I, I've I've gone that far, but yeah. Now I Google feel like kinda, 
No, I know I didn't do this with Bitcoin. I wish I did, but I feel like if conspiracy theories were Bitcoin, like I got in at the ground floor because yeah. I got I got stacks of books behind me that I just remember buying on a whim because it was like I don't know eight bucks or ten bucks for some random book, and now yeah, I go and find no it on it. Yeah, dude, I go on Amazon. It's like six hundred dollars for this thing. Like it's not that good of a book, you know. <laughs> but they're so rare, and I think it really was like before conspiracy theories got co-opted by like mainstream essentially like no one cared about I, w I literally was in the early 2000s every day i would just make it part of my routine go to ebay and search for a bohemian club and search for a bohemian grove and then i would search for individual camp names like mandalay uh um, camp mandalay is like one of the highest ones in there and as an example there'd be people that like their grandpa would die and they'd have an estate sale and the stuff that was left over they'd put on ebay and they didn't realize that Bohemian Club or Bohemian Grove stuff was worth oh, anything because it, it really wasn't worth anything. So they would just list it as like Camp Mandalay yearbook or, you know, whatever, Hillbilly's Club yearbook and didn't even put Bohemian in the title. So like, I'd be scooping this stuff up for pennies on the dollar now in retrospect, right? Um, but now you try and find this and somebody like prints out like a 3D printing of an owl that has nothing to do with Bohemian Grove and they'll be like, Secret Society, Bohemian Grove, rare artifact, you know, like all those buzzwords. So now you yeah. can't just like come across it by chance and get like a good deal now everyone's just saying that anything that has an owl on it's bohemian grove and but there was like this yeah. time before everyone was jumping on that with all the buzzwords and like i mean i've got a, a sick collection of shit so this is why i stay near the villages man gotta go to those estate sales it's a lot yeah. of them popping up over here man who knows who was into so where, where are you do you said the villages where are you at man Near the villages, yeah, like right, okay. right around there. Like, what's, what's the exact address? No, no, I'll tell you. I, <laughs> let me type. No, let me I'm, type it out with my social too. No, I'm in Orlando, <laughs> so I mean, the villages isn't that far away from me. You gotta, you gotta hang out, man. You gotta come up. Gotta come yeah, up we're down, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Next time we get together, we gotta bring them out there, and then Did, we get to see where Juan is because I know Juan's real south. Uh, he's like right. He's like kind he's of in, in the swamplands down there. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we won't expose him. And plus, fuck that guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't want. You guys ever ever go yeah, to? Take, uh, take back the shout out. Oh, what is it called? Gun? Damn, I haven't been there in a while. Ever since the the flu came over, but there's a really huge like Walmart uh, shooting range that I still oh, got Gun like. World. Gun World, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I haven't been. That's, but that's I, my I've favorite spot, dude. That's where when Juan's comic first got printed up, I was like, he was like, "Where should we meet up?" I was like, "Let's go to Gun World," and then we could like. <laughs> Shoot, shoot some guns and then go and do the, the cool. signing. So, Hell you yeah, know, man. I think like you're right that it used to be more of the wild, wild west, the Internet. And it, and it used to be much more. It's like the same thing with uh, video games, I find, where like my son's playing all these games. And, um, you know, I used to be big into like the, the Game Boy Pokemon game, like Game Boy Color. And I realize he's got them now and they hold your hand. And they make everything, they they nerf everything. Everything's incredibly oh, yeah. easy. It's so easy to do everything in the goddamn game. And they explain everything. And back in the day, they didn't explain shit in video games. Yeah. It was like, good luck, bitch. And you were sitting there with, like, tears in your eyes, ready to break your controller. You didn't know what the hell Dude, you were supposed to I do. I remember I remember playing, I, this is a complete tangent. It was a Sega Genesis game with this, the main character was an egg, but he was dressed as, a, like, a Indiana Jones. And I got to the what? second <laughs> level... And it's just like a fucking 2D, you know, jumper game sort of thing where you're moving on. But it was like puzzles. Never figured out how to get past the second level. There was probably like 40 levels. But it just didn't. They don't give a fuck. And there no, was nothing to no, help you either. Care. 
It was like no, there was there was no internet to go to. No, there might be a nine hundred number in the back. You call for like <laughs> yeah, two dollars no a minute. Yeah, there was some of that. You could do that. I never did that. I never got that far because my mom was like, "Fucking no, you can't do that." But like, <laughs> you know, he has so many things at his disposal. He has me. He has we can we can go on YouTube and look up a video. I don't like doing that though because I think there's a lot of value in going through that frustration and then figuring it out. But the internet was like the same way. You're right. It has become partisan. And it's specifically like conservative leaning now, like conservatives are coming to because they're the ones that are getting fucked over left and right. And, and it was so it was the, the opposite are... for the longest time, dude, because I, yeah. I remember growing up like I had a left a left leaning bias, but it was mostly because almost all the conspiracy theories were like Bohemian Grove and Skull and Bones. And but this is all Republican uh, leaning. And right. I and I just remember like in my in like my my tail end of my sort of like evolution into whatever the fuck I am now. Right. But. <laughs> like before I, I sort of hit level 9000, I remember thinking like the left wing and the Democrats can't like they can't be good. Like they also have to be bad. But there for some reason, there's just like a big gap in all of the research that points to them as being bad unless you get into the right wing rhetoric because the right wing rhetoric's like, oh, yeah, you know, the KKK was all Democrats and like and, the, and they pull it apart. But it's like if you've been trained to look at the right as well, you're just saying that because you're Bohemian Grove and you're Skull and Bones and you're CIA and you're ATF, you know, what I mean, like, go down the line. So it's like, who, which one of these two do you trust about the other one? But it might not be in like that same regard, I guess. Isn't it, it? But it's kind of all right. I think conspiracies in a way like we do uh, what I think is, is a very cool version of research, which is we get to talk to people because the Internet has made it incredibly gay. Like like conspiracy theories are gay now in the same way, like cons uh, conspiracy extremists just said it. We figured out how to glitch Pokemon to get Mew. When I was a fucking kid, we we would talk to each other in school and yep. somebody would be like, if you go and you do this really weird series of things in the game, you have to go and talk to this person. Then you got to fly over here and do this thing. And then you got to get in the water and yeah. you got to go Miss, in this spot. Missing you go number. Up and down. I don't know and if you, you guys get, did this. Yes, that's exactly yep. what I'm talking about. You got to talk to a fuck. I don't give a shit, dude. I'm saying it. You got to talk to the dude in fucking like the second city who teaches you how to catch a Pokemon. As soon as you, you're done, you fly to fucking Cinnabar Island. I'm going full nerd mode. And you go up you and down. You fly to Cinnabar Island. You go up and fucking down on the coast. Missing number or missing O uh, pops up. And you can you can leverage that thing to get like 99 of an item. The only fucking way you figured that out was word of mouth. I don't know yeah. how anybody figured. If I want to interview the first fucking dude who figured that out. Like <laughs> who figured that weird debacle? <laughs> that, yeah, was real, <laughs> that was the real Q&A. It was <laughs> Ashley Babbitt. She was the one that released that to the world. They had to we take her out. We got to get rid of this bitch. <laughs> like, we got her right where we want her now. Oh, oh man. man. But, Before she drops like, Mewtwo on the world. Yeah. <laughs> man, like that was where the, the, like, there was such a thrill to figuring shit like that out. And it was, yeah, lore. And and this conspiracy theories are the lore of real life. And I remember like that was it was like talking to one person, one person would be like, dude, look this shit up. And you'd go to some obscure website, you'd find these things, you'd connect the dots on your own, and then you'd scream at your friends who didn't give a shit about it and they'd think that you were schizophrenic. And it just never really worked well, out. But it was really the me, same feeling. Let me interject here, because I was just having the same feeling, but with like something slightly different. Um this is the idea of like the internet, the internet destroying um these events these like in-person or family events or like kind of larger events. So I put on the little drummer boy for my kids and uh, I noticed at some points there's like, you know, it'll go black and then it'll be next scene. And I was like, oh shit, there was a commercial there. That was like, pause for a commercial. 
This was made in 1968, poor claymation. I mean, very, you know, choppy. The lips don't even move to the words. But in 1968, most of America sat down to watch this event called The Little Drummer Boy on the same channel. Millions of people. And it was about Jesus Christ being born, right? At the end, it's like the whole resolution. The kid is like, he he likes people again because he's at the the birth of Christ. And everybody celebrates. And I was like, this is like very cultural when, when you say like make america great again they were like you're talking about back then when people kind of did these these group cultural things you know then went to school the next day and we're like yo did you see that shit that was fucking fire the the new little drummer boy shit that and everyone's like high-fiving right can't do that anymore we're no. so fractionated look there's 40 people in here listening to us talk and no one's watching cnn no one's watching all the same thing that that must oh, right, fuck yeah. things up degrees uh, it fucks of separation it messes up the elites, sort of, because it's hard for them to point them, but it also helps them because we are fractionated and nobody's kind of doing the same thing. I think it yeah. might be a, a net positive, though, because the more that you group yourselves up and like fall into these convenient little categories and like all follow the same stuff, that's way easier for them to manage. Like the, the being f- um, kind of like in little fractions, that's on us to figure out how to make that work. But by not being fractioned and, and everyone like watching American Idol every night, you know what I mean? As a, as a collective nation, like there's no real way out of that. Like the only way to fix that is you pull yourself out of it um, well, look at what because they've you're, done. you're sucked into it. They've done that's like the whole boomer generation and even our generation to a certain point. Like we were talking about the effects of nostalgia and that all kind of keeps you in that same community. But then they could pull off shit like Social Security on you or they could pull off shit like COVID on that generation. This next generation is so decentralized. It's going to be hard for them to do anything. And Mm. that's a that's a good thing. But then also it's so decentralized. This is like a libertarian idea as well. If if you if everybody is uh, like an individual, nobody's moving in the same direction. Good luck getting anybody elected to change it. You understand what I'm saying? The fallacy in that. So like we're all right. individuals doing our own thing, but we also can't move together when we have to do something, which is important sometimes. But then the fatal flaw in that would be an entire boomer generation where they can then do all these psyops on you. You know, it's like so. Yeah, I don't know if that's even, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, but I don't even know if that's even possible to do in one lifetime. Like most people, like, I don't think you'd be able to shift into, okay, I'm going to do groupthink because it's good for the nation from, you know, year whatever to the year whatever. And then I'm going to swap back into being independent. I think it goes through these like waves. So it's like your, your parents and then you and then your grandparents. And then so like everyone has the chance to like become more involved or more detached like throughout their life i guess and then if they teach their kids and then the kids either rebel or they follow along in the footsteps right but it's it's almost like a little binary switch every time it does make sense though it feels like the whole the whole um especially the electoral system is almost destined to fall apart because it was designed for a unified people people who were all sort of subjected and at least if you use like the metaphor of the tv you know you had like six camps dog like back in the day when i had you know the 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 knob on the tv the clunk 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 you had like six channels that you can go to it was like fox 5 wb11 or whatever and and that was all relatively the same kind of shit so we were all aimed at and absorbing the same information and so 
within that context, the electoral system that we all would detach from the TV and look up at, at least, you know, worked because it was aiming back at us and we were a consolidated group. Now, it's almost like, how can it last much longer? You know, that whole idea of like, there's not going to be a 2024 election and whatever that means for people on the extreme (laughs) side. It means like it means Trump is going to prove that they subverted it and he's going to come back and his his first term is going to be null and void and he's going to get two back to back terms again. But on the much more gracious (laughs) side, it's like people are going to lose uh, faith in the uh, election system and you know, because of what we're learning about Russian collusion and all these different things. And maybe we are going to not have a a, a typical Democratic election anymore. And things are going to look different somehow in this upcoming one. I just just realized we started this dumb show and it's going to lead right into this fucking I'm so not looking forward to the stupidity that 2024 will be and the shenanigans that hopefully they give us like because these lizard people are they they're it's hard for them to create anymore. I mean, they just right. rehash. So if you rehash they 2020 again, I'm going to fucking skill it. I'm going to be a millionaire. But if they throw something new at us, like something even dumber or like, you know, they did the COVID thing. And that was like, oh, shit, that was like a whole new. They even have me off kilter at first with it. You know, like like the first couple of maybe a month or so. But yeah, I just hope that they rehash whatever they've been doing and we could just laugh at them because it's. It's going to be so dumb, guys. When you say that the lizard people don't have any creativity, like you're, dude, you're so on the nose with that. And that goes back into like, why would the elites want to target these schizophrenics, right? The ones that can produce all this extra thrill oxide. And a part of that is, is the like a jealousy aspect. It's like, how dare you have this inherent skill to do these creative things? And, and look at like all the spirit cooking stuff, right? It's like, why do you have these poli- these boring ass politicians hanging out with like Marina Abramovich and Lady Gaga and doing this like edgy crap? And think about this too. There's a pipeline, right? where you can get really popular in Hollywood and then like branch into politics. And that's like this ultimate, you know, like Ronald Reagan did it and Trump did it. And so many other people are trying to go through that route. How many people got big in politics and then went to some other industry that was public facing and blew up? It doesn't work the same way. They would go from being in the government to being in like a private pharmaceutical or, or like a lawyer company. But it never goes from politics down into Hollywood because that would be like downgrading yourself. So what the the politicians do though is interesting. Societally mm-hmm. they're higher, right? In in the class system like if I'm a rich politician, I'm richer than a rich celebrity. Like a celebrity like that's cute. You got some fun toys, but I'm like you know, political. I, I control the stocks. I'm Nancy right. Pelosi, you know? So so if you got that that sort of dynamic going on, like there's no reason for them to ever become an artist, but then there's also like I want to feel creative. I want to kind of like vicariously live through Lady Gaga and feel like I'm just as important as she is, and then people love me as much as they love her. So I can do that by like showing up to events and doing spirit cooking with her, and we both like eat the you know baby cake together and stuff. Um, but then maybe it's, you know you go into the back room and you get a little sip out of you know Lady Gaga's head or something, and. <laughs> I don't know, man, because like, it's like I want some of that creativity inside of me. It's like uh, it, everything's an archetype, right, on like larger or small levels. But this is what you're describing is the archetype of the fallen angel, right? So they're like they can do just about anything and they look great, but they can't create. And it's part of the reason why they hate human beings. And I mean, you can go all like you can trace that all the way back to 
the Nephilim. originally <laughs> to the Nephilim. Yeah. And why we're there's some Nephilim shit, some Nephilim shit. It's like why we're doing why we're why we're going through what we're going through now. Like that's this is what the show is about. We think that that's I firmly think that's where it started. And everything that it branches out into is just because they can't create and they hate you and they want to destroy right. what God built. And everything from there is just icing on the cake, extrapolated to, you know, drag queen story hour or whatever fucking dumb shit. It's really interesting, too, because, you know, not people when you hear that, like, oh, they can't create like, no, there is an inherent part of creating things that that like speaks to the human experience. Like I said, like I, I will get in depressive waves if I don't create something. And it just turns out that. The only thing that I'm I'm good at is conversation and recording it. And so if I don't do that, it will genuinely fuck with me. And I think that's because there is like an innate there's something we we can't quantify it, what it does for our, our spirits as human beings, but it's integral to the human experience. To and create. so I you know, I wanted to go back for a second too, like isn't it very strange? You were just talking about going from from art, Hollywood, whatever, into politics. Marina Abramovich just became fucking like the Ukrainian ambassador or some shit. What? Like, yeah, dude, she became the uh, American ambassador to Ukraine, I believe. Is, right. is That's who, a step up. That's a step which up is from, wild. from the art world to the politic world. Exactly, which is wild because uh, Ukraine is rumored to be the epicenter for all of this uh how do we put it? Child-related debauchery. You know that if there's a place like the island isn't functional anymore, but now Ukraine is in some people's minds, and I don't have information to back this up. It's just something that I've heard. I've not looked into, uh, but I hear a lot of people saying that that is where it all goes down now, uh, which to me makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's it's a country that is obviously um, American interests are entangled within it. Uh, especially American interests in regards to, you know, the Biden family and all these various corrupt politicians. And they're a country that's immersed in chaos. And whenever you have chaos, you know, if you look back to like the Haiti thing, where unfortunately after the earthquake, all these children went missing and you can find these videos of parents saying, uh, you know, these people are coming here. They're supposed to be helping us. Instead, they're taking our children. Uh, I've seen those videos myself. His mother's crying and those videos get suppressed. I think that these uh, elites they take advantage of very chaotic situations uh, in countries, and I think in our own country, same thing over there. And yeah, of Hawaii. course, in our own country as well. Yeah, Hawaii, right? What the hell is going on there? There's like all these missing kids; they're still unaccounted for, and everybody's just kind of swept it under the rug. Um, and now, somebody who is sort of become synonymous, right? Spirit cooking and all this really horrible artwork that involves, like, you ever see Maria and Ambra- Marina Abramovich in a pile of um bloody baby dolls and and also like bones there's like bones from some sort of animal but there's also baby dolls mixed within it and it's very much meant to invoke this feeling uh, upon first glance that she's in a mountain of like you know just uh ripped apart babies that's what it looks like and so now all of a sudden she's the uh ambassador the american ambassador to ukraine like what the what the fuck is going on there they don't even and that's we've gotten to the part of the game now where they don't give a shit they don't hide it anymore we used to have to go to somebody who would tell us what website to go to and what to search for to find all this esoteric weird shit now it's like boom right on your tv they tell you right in plain sight it used to be hidden in plain sight it's it's now it's just in plain sight well, if if you don't, this is from a, a movie called The Conspiracy 2016, and they might have quoted from something else, but there's this awesome quote that I'll paraphrase. 
but it's like if you don't give them a like if you don't give people a story then they're going to look into it for themselves and you don't mm. want them to look into it for themselves. So if you just paint the story like, here's Maria Bromovich, they're doing weird stuff, there she is in a pile of, you know, artificial babies or whatever, then that's enough for people to say, oh, that's so weird, there must be something quirky behind that, but, like, uh, at least they're acknowledging it. So if they're acknowledging it and it's out in the open, then it can't be that bad, right? It's a um, lie by omission, right. like the, it, the Epstein Netflix documentary, right? So they gave you ugh. enough for the normie to be like, that's fucked up but you're like it's so much worse if you actually right, right. <laughs> it's really fucked up but yeah, but, but now someone's like oh i saw the documentary i'm not arguing yeah he was a bad guy and it's like it can stop there but it, if there was just radio silence and there was a complete void then something would have to fill that void so if you're in the position of power you might as well fill that void yourself it's very it's it's like a simpler version of the hegelian dialectic right where it's like you've got uh, like you've got a problem and a solution and if you can introduce the problem then you can also probably introduce the solution that's the synthesis antithesis yeah. um but that's kind of like a practical version of it is is doing it this way man such listen um i could i feel like yeah, we could talk for another three hours but yeah i, yeah, I know I you got a hard out <laughs> and uh how do we how do we bring this one in for Atlanta? we covered everything we like <laughs> We didn't. And, know, and I I didn't this conversation still so much did not more. go at all what I thought it was. There is so much more. And dude, we have to have you back because we talked about talking about the whole Lilith thing. I think that was. Oh yeah, dude, I got my started. notes. We didn't even get into it. Dude, yeah. I know. I fe- I felt it when we were like an hour and twenty minutes in. I was like, damn it, dude. So we have to have you back, absolutely. And and you know, you're a wealth of knowledge. You got a ton of information. I know we only barely scratched the surface. Uh, talking to you is always a blast. But I know you got a heart out, dude. Can can you at least? Uh, tell everybody, you know, about your work one more time, where they can find you, uh, websites to go to. Yeah, I mean, paranoidamerican.com is the main site. You can find a bunch of comics and to- I'm doing a bunch of custom toys now, too. I haven't posted a lot yet, so but you've sick. seen I've, I've sent you guys some pictures that they're going to be dope. I just got to get the packaging done. Um, and then on Amazon, if you're a normie and you shop on Amazon or you want something prime is like a quick gift for somebody. I got stuff um, from all ages. I even got a, a children's coloring book called American Cryptids, which is like my my blow away biggest seller. No one knows that. Everyone loves the like the <laughs> the thrill oxide and like the comic stuff, but I'm my getting number one it, money maker. I'm getting a, it too. I'm a hundred percent. It's a yeah. it's a coloring book on cryptids. I got like four or five coloring books on Amazon. Um, I, I don't know yeah. if you if you look at my other show, but I have two interviews now with my daughter and she's fascinated with Bigfoot. She'll sit right here and I'll just interview her on Bigfoot and then we go down the conspiracy. So she's getting one of those for Christmas for sure. Oh, dude, that reminds me too, just back to when you were talking about like demons and uh, aliens and like ghosts all having a smell. Bigfoot also is reported to smell like sulfur. That's like a very consistent across cultures. So anyways, I just want to throw that Interesting. Out. You can find me on Instagram at Paranoid American. I just uh, started onto the YouTube scene this year in like February or March. Uh, and I've got a bunch of shows on there now. Paranoid Programming, which is all about doing AI and video. I worked at Disney for 10 years, so I take a bunch of the stuff that I learned there and trying to like show people how to do it. And I got another one I'm starting now called Paranoid Pages, where I basically thumb through old underground comics and met like Mason magazines and like, you know, all kinds like all those Bohemian Grove books I told you about that I got like behind me. I'm going to start just like live streaming, thumbing through them and just like, hey, look at this. This is crazy. This is crazy. So, yeah, follow this me on YouTube. Is... Follow me everywhere. You're amazing. You're fucking amazing. You're amazing. You got to. 
No, I'm serious, man. Because I, I gotta, I, I do have to hit you up more because I'm, I'm in a very similar field. But I, can, I know I can pick your brain dry, man. And you're, and now you're an hour from me. Forget it. This guy's amazing. Go follow this dude. I, yeah, go, it, go and check out his stuff. I think one of the reasons your shit is so awesome is because you could tell like you're stoked about it. And whenever people are stoked about the thing that they're doing, they do a good job at it. You do an excellent job with all the stuff that you do because you're very much into it. So everybody, go check that out. Um, uh, don't forget to go to nephilimdeathsquad.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Also, guys, uh, it is Thanksgiving week. And in honor of the whole thankful thing, uh, instead of doing a traditional episode of the Ravens Watch, uh, I am actually doing a Q&A on Wednesday at 730. Uh, so if you're a fan of the show and you want to ask anything, I'll be riffing for a good hour and a half before I have to get off and catch uh, Tower Gang. It's Wednesday night. Uh, but that'll be what's going on. So instead of a regular episode, uh, you can catch me on Wednesday doing a live Q&A on the Ravens Watch at YouTube. And just so you guys know, everybody's having a bit of trouble finding it. The Ravens Watch, all one word. Search for it that way and uh, subscribe to me there. I'm almost at a thousand subscribers, so fucking dope. Uh, Top, you got anything? Uh, yeah, Top Lobster, toplobster.com. And yeah, I'm gonna let you get out of here, man. Guys, thank you. Peace out. The greatest hypnotist on planet Earth is a oblong box in the corner of the room. It is constantly telling us what to believe is real. If you can persuade them that what they see with their eyes is what there is to see, because they'll laugh in the face of an explanation that portrays the bigger picture of what's happening. And they have.